Well, good to see you all here today. A couple things I'm thankful for this morning. One is that our neighbors, the academy, uh, when they were plowing their sidewalk, the main sidewalk that the city cares about, the city doesn't care if we plow to the door, but they do care that we plow the main sidewalk, they plowed ours as well. And so I am very appreciative of that because for us, that's a lot of work. I think for them it may take a minute and a half. But anyway, they whipped around there with their plow and plowed that for us. So I appreciate them doing that for us today. Glad you're here. I uh, hope you uh, have had a good week, uh, an eventful week for us anyway. And we're happy to have a friend of ours here today, Lauren who was a member of our church back when we were in Marietta, Georgia. So we've had a, a number of different guests visiting. We had uh, some others from Marietta last Sabbath, wasn't it? Yeah, so we had uh, Emily and Jonathan were here last Sabbath. So this is a big month for visitors from Marietta. That's actually two churches back. You go back to Florida, and then we were in Georgia before that. Um, we've had an interesting thing happening, I think a really special and fun thing happening, but it's happened enough now that we thought we probably better organize it. And that is, uh, at the end of the service, a lot of our kids and young people are getting excited about the songs and wanting to participate more and coming to the front, and we want to encourage that. But we also thought maybe it'd be best if they didn't try to play the instruments at the same time. So, so maybe the way we'll do this is uh, that if you're here and your kids at the end of the service want to come to the front, let's do that. And in fact, if you're here... And you want to do it too. I don't think the band would mind if you came to the front and just came down in this area and sang. So, so if the kids want to do that today, there's a few less of them here today than some days, that's good. Come on down here to the front. But occasionally maybe we'll do a song where the band will invite them up onto the platform to participate. I don't think we're doing that today, but, but on some day we might do that. But uh, yeah, we want to encourage that participation uh, but then keep them here, and then we'll figure out uh, if we want to do something fun while they're up there when they're there. So, so let's plan on that today, and uh, if someone else comes in that missed that, you can share that with them if you're one of those family people. We're all excited about next Sabbath, uh, particularly Dean is excited, so excited. She's speaking for us next week. And we are very pleased about that. So make sure you're here next Sabbath. You want to hear what she has to say. And of course, this week, we are praying for a number of our members who are in Florida today, actually at the church where I used to pastor, uh, for the One Conference that's going on there. So we're praying for, for uh, Pastor Jafet, and I know Mark is there, and I don't even know who else is there, but it's there's a good chance there are a number more of our congregation that are there. Uh, awesome people in an awesome place, and I pray that they have an awesome time. So let's pray as we jump in. Father in heaven, we remember uh, all of our brothers and sisters and friends that are in Florida today with the one conference. We pray you'll be with them and bless their time. As well, Lord, we pray for your spirit here with us as we continue our reflection on the words you have given to the elders of this church regarding vision and mission, Lord, help us understand our time, our place, and our purpose, who you would have us be, what you would have us do. In Jesus' name, amen. So perhaps the greatest statement 
of mission and purpose in all of Scripture, at least for Christians, is what Vanessa just read to us a little bit ago. And I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. That's the one that's in front of you there. You can take that from the pew if you want and look at it. It's Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And this is what it says. And Jesus came to them, and, and Jesus came, sorry, and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. No statement of mission or vision in any Christian church can ignore any of the elements in these words of Jesus. So let's consider them today. And I will show you how the elders have incorporated these words into the vision and statements of mission, or better, how these words have informed and empowered what the elders have put together for vision and mission that we began to reflect on last Sabbath. If you recall, we're spending two weeks specifically on the language of the vision that the elders uh, put together and that was adopted uh, as a working document by our business meeting in November last year. Uh, so, so last week and this Sabbath, we're looking at vision. Then, as I mentioned before, next Sabbath, Dina's here for us. And she will, she will say wonderful things that will help all of us in so many ways, and I'm sure will fit in many ways. So, we'll, but, but I don't know what she's going to say. So we will see when that actually happens. And then the weeks after that, six weeks after that, we're going to spend a week each on each of the statements of mission. So for today, let's review the statement of vision, the vision statement, and as well the, the statements of mission. So the vision is this. Jesus Christ has called us to be a diverse community pursuing whole, healthy, faithful lives in Him. We invite you to connect with our community and pursue that life with us. All right, so last Sabbath, we keyed on sentence one. And today we're going to look at sentence two, but we'll do that in a moment. Let's, let's look at the six points of the vision. Number one, provide a welcoming and inclusive environment for all to experience and connect with God through the Holy Spirit. Number two, proclaim Jesus Christ as creator, redeemer, and sovereign over all as revealed in the Bible. Number three, Reflect God's love in all our relationships and interactions. Number four, express our love for God through passionate worship, enduring faith, constant hope, and continuous renewal. So we'll have a good time on the week we try to break all of those down because they each have, have little adjectives to go with them that, uh, that put a lot of meaning in them. Anyway, going on, number five, Promote a healthy lifestyle that nourishes the body, heart, mind, and spiritual aspects of our being. And then six, 
apply our God-given gifts in the service of others for the betterment of our communities. One of our communities is this church. Another is what's outside of us and around us. Another is where you live. Another is where Vista Ridge Academy is. Communities that we're a part of. So if you were reflecting at all, as I read through those six statements, in the context of Matthew 28, you, you likely saw some ties back that we will explore in detail in the weeks to come. But for today, I want to connect a specific piece of Matthew 28 with the language of the second part of the vision. But first, let's do a quick review of last Sabbath, specifically what we said about the first sentence. Jesus Christ has called us to be a diverse community, pursuing whole, healthy, faithful lives in him. First of all, most important point, it is Jesus Christ who calls. He is the initiator of any purpose we have. He is the one that has called us into this place, and he is the one that gives us this charge. So it is Jesus Christ who calls. And then it is Jesus Christ who has called us, we use the term diverse community, but, but by this what he's saying is he's called us to include the whole world. He says uh, in, in, the, in the prophecy we read last week from Isaiah, it is too light a thing for you to just save the house of Jacob. I am sending you to the whole world. So this is the prophecy. Even before Jesus came, these were the words. And, and we have that phrase that comes in the book of Revelation, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Ours is a message for everyone. And, and we said this, we said this last Sabbath. If everyone in the church looks alike, acts alike, and thinks alike, that's a cult, not a church. That's the difference there. Okay, but here's the challenge. It sounds great to say, but the problem with being in a church where you don't look alike, think alike, and act alike is sometimes you have conflict over what you look like or think like or act like. But as Christian community, we are supposed to understand that that is a reality within what God has established and as such, we must find a way to live together, work together, be together, even when we don't agree. That's harder. But God hasn't called us to an easy road. So we got to figure out how to be faithful on the road he's called us to. All right. Jesus Christ calls us to pursue. Now, that's a very intentional word. We're to pursue whole, healthy, faithful lives in him. Why did we use that word? Well, because most of us aren't there. And most of us will only spend our lives pursuing total righteousness. Maybe you alone have achieved it. I don't know. But most of us will spend our lives pursuing righteousness. But we need to stay on the course. Don't get discouraged if you come short. Get up tomorrow and try again. This is a continuous pursuit. Now, understand, we're not saved by achieving whole, healthy, faithful lives. But we're called to put the effort into living those 
once we have believed. Why? Well, the first reason is because by doing so, we can live the best life we can possibly have. What God has offered to us through his word, through his law, is the outline of the best life we can possibly live. Not because by living that life we're saved, we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But by living that life, we can live the best life we can possibly live. Secondly, that life is the best reflection of Jesus we can give. So the more we can align our lives with God's word, the better we'll be able to reflect Jesus to those around us. All right, so Jesus Christ calls us to be whole, to, to whole, healthy, faithful lives. We're going to flesh that out in detail as we get into the statements of mission, what whole, healthy, faithful lives mean. But now I want you to notice there's another two words right at the end of that. Whole, healthy, faithful lives in Him. Just like when we pray, everything we do in our lives, we do in Jesus' name. Now maybe that's an uncomfortable thought. It is a little bit to me. But if I have taken upon myself the name Christian, then everything I do is done in the context of that name. So that ought to give us pause. We gain both strength to achieve and responsibility when we take the name Christian upon ourselves. But that's the first sentence. Let's move on to the second sentence. Jesus Christ has called us to be a diverse community pursuing whole, healthy, faithful lives in Him. Now here's sentence two. We invite you to connect with our community and pursue that life with us. Well, first of all, you notice in the saying of that, I'm not narrowly saying that to you unless this is like your first day here and you're visiting and, and you haven't been here for the last 10 years longer than I've been here or whatever it is. Obviously, you've been here, but, but the idea here is there are people who aren't here that we are responsible to invite here. To be a part of it. Now I say here, yes, a part of this worship service is a key piece of it. But there's more to our community than just this. So this is an invitation for people to connect with who we are and pursue this whole healthy, faithful life with us. It's all about invitations. But what exactly are we inviting people to be a part of? Well, in short, we could, in, we could say we're inviting people to join in a story. And a very key piece of the story that we're inviting people to join in goes like this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. So, from this piece of information alone, it becomes obvious that the story we're inviting people to join us in is not an ordinary story. 
this story has angels in it. And this story has miracles in it. And this story has supernatural wonders in it. And we are inviting people into this story. Matthew 28, verse 4. And for fear of him, that's the angel sitting on the stone, the guards trembled and became like dead men. This is a story, the story that we're inviting people into will have an overwhelming impact on people and overwhelming implications for their lives. And this story will be experienced differently by different people, depending on whether they're ready to receive the story or not. The soldiers were not ready for the story, and it left them like dead men. But the women had a different impact on. Verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, notice this verse, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So, so it's an overwhelming story, but it's not supposed to be a source of terror and overwhelm to those who seek Jesus. Rather, central to the experience of entering the story is the mandate, go quickly and tell. The women enter into the story of what's taking place, the resurrection of Jesus, and the angel says, go quickly and tell someone. Go tell them. Verse 28, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. That's kind of a funny two words to put together, isn't it? Fear and great joy. Now, there's a difference. That's why I'm saying the experience on the women, yeah, they were... They were blown away by what they saw, but they were also empowered by the experience. And they went in awe of this amazing reality with great joy in their hearts. That's a little different than the way the soldiers slinked away in abject terror. It's supposed to have an impact on us. There is an element of fear in the reality of the greatness of God when we realize it. But it is accompanied with great joy. Both emotions are appropriate. So the women depart quickly. They're on their way to do what the angel said. Now watch what happens. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Just as it happens in this story... So it often happens in our lives. While we are on our way to carry out the mission we've been given. Remember, this is what's happening. The women were told by the angel, go and tell. While they were in the process of doing what they'd been given to do, while they were in the process of carrying out their mission, Jesus met them unexpectedly along the way. And what I want to say to you is when you are on the mission God has sent you on, 
Even if it doesn't feel clear, even if you feel a little confused, even if you don't know exactly what you're going to do when you get there, sometimes Jesus will meet you on the way. And just like it happened here, he will unexpectedly come along while you are on the mission and encourage you and affirm the purpose that you're set upon in his name. But if you don't go on mission, you don't run into Jesus on the way. You'll sit there and think, well, nothing ever happened. Well, that's because you never went. If you got sent, go. And don't be surprised if you run into Jesus on the way. Now, we're going to skip the next few verses here, for they describe what those who were not determined to be set on purpose for Jesus did. And we're going to pick up again in verse 16. And actually, at the beginning of this verse is what I think is one of the saddest statements in all of Scripture. See if you see it. It says, now the 11 disciples. That's a sad one, isn't it? How many are there supposed to be? Supposed to be 12. But now there's only 11. Because one of them didn't stay on mission. One of them lost the way. One of them lost the theme. So now there's only 11. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I mean, why do they have to be so much like us? Sometimes it's hard to believe. And it seems to be harder for some than others. So let's not be real judgy with each other. Maybe you're one of those people who's really good at believing. Or maybe you're one of those others and it's really hard. The same was true in the disciples. There was Nathaniel. Nathaniel, very early on, he, he meets Jesus right at the very beginning. And, uh, and Jesus says, here is an Israelite in whom is no guile. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And he says, uh, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And immediately, Nathaniel says, my Lord and my God. He's on board. Just like that. Thomas gets all the way to the end. Not our Thomas. He's more like Nathaniel. Gets all the way to the end. And he's still not sure. Jesus has called them all. Even if you sometimes doubt, keep going where Jesus sent you. Some of these guys weren't sure. I don't know. The women said we're supposed to go here. I don't know what's going to happen, but we got sent. And there they went. And they got there, and there was Jesus. Sometimes, even if you're doubting, go anyway. Because you might meet Jesus on the way. Confirmation will come In the completion of your task, just go. Confirmation only lies down the road of obedience. So go. And it is after all of this story that we get these words. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now let's break this down. Matthew 28, verse 18. The first thing Jesus says is, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus, not me. Jesus. What other authority is there? Can you think of any? Because I'm hard-pressed to come up with any authority other than all that's on heaven and all that's on earth. This is the basis for all Christian action in the world, and this is the reason we call Jesus Lord. It is because all authority in heaven and on earth is given to him. It all belongs to him. Paul breaks this down a little bit in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. We find these words, The Father has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created, catch this line, through him and for him. It's all his. All authority is his. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. See, if Jesus hadn't come, hadn't lived, hadn't died, hadn't risen again, there would be one area he wasn't preeminent. But now he's done it all. He is the first of all of it. Verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. God through Jesus has reconciled things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, the Father, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed. Hang on to that in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, what do we say at the end of something like that? Well, one of the things is, all hail King Jesus. He is all things, and it is all through him and for him. Our existence as a people is because of what he's done. Our purpose as believers is because of the mission he's given So all hail King Jesus. And then we follow that up with this. 
Jesus, what would you like us to do? What would you like to tell us? Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says, and here's what he wants to tell us. Go, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, that means it's based on something that's just been established. The reason we're sent on mission is because all authority belongs to Jesus. And he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So because all the authority belongs to Jesus, he has commanded us to go and make disciples. And we'll spend a little time at the end here on this idea of go and make disciples, remembering that, that all of us are disciples. You remember we talked about this when we were in the book of Luke. He, he called up 12 and he named them apostles and they were kind of a special group. But then they came down to the other disciples. You see, disciples is not just that, that little inner circle of, of hyper-holy people. Sometimes we get that mentality. No, we're all called to be the disciples of Jesus. That's why he says, go and make more. But right now, I want to focus on this key command, go and make disciples. And for this, we'll go back to the vision statement. Jesus Christ has called us to be a diverse community, pursuing whole, healthy, faithful lives in him. We invite you, whoever you is in your life, to connect with our community and pursue that life with us. So we're a diverse community because we're called from all nations, all peoples. We are called to pursue a whole, healthy, faithful life in him. Because we're no longer aliens, we're no longer separated from God by sin, we're no longer living in hostility in our minds, we're no longer engaging continuously in evil deeds, now we are reconciled to be presented to the Father as blameless and above reproach. But there is in fact only one reason we are this way. We believe in Jesus because someone believed in Jesus before us and told us about Jesus. You realize that, right? You didn't invent this. You didn't create Christianity. Somebody told you. And somebody told them. And somebody told them. And somebody told them all the way back to the day when the disciples stood on the mountain and Jesus said, go make disciples. We're just the latest piece of that. Someone somewhere fulfilled Jesus' commission for you. And now we are here and we are called to do the same thing for someone else. Or maybe better, someone else's as in other, lots of else's, other people's. Someone somehow, somewhere somehow said to you, I follow Jesus who lived, died, and rose again and called me into his kingdom. He's calling you too. Please come and join us and become a part of the kingdom too. Somebody did that for you. Might have been your mom and dad. Might have been a teacher in school. Might have been 
a random person you ran into. I don't know what got you here, but someone called you. Who was it for you? Maybe you can think of it right now. Or perhaps for you, it was many who's who did it. Lots of different voices working together. Joined the community. They brought you in. They embraced you. They introduced you to the story. And you became a part of the story. As followers of Jesus, this is how we must be. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. You see, once we're a part of this kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom, our worldview has to change. We can't look at people the same way anymore. Now, this doesn't mean we've become unwise in any way and we are suddenly expecting the unredeemed to automatically begin behaving according to the commandments of God. No, that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. But we no longer view them as enemies to be hated, but rather as lives that the Lord longs to redeem. That's hard to do in an election year, right? Yeah. No, enemies, that's not our thing. Now, we're not ignorant. We don't pretend people are different than they really are, but we've had a fundamental change on the inside that does not allow us to view people we disagree with as hated enemies. Now we just view them as people we disagree with that the Lord is calling us to try to get along with if we can. And not only that, some of them we need to view with love and realize God is calling them. And we may have a part to play in this. Because when we come to Jesus, we're made new and we're set on a path pursuing whole, healthy, faithful lives. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and catch this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, all of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are a new creation with a new purpose. And that new purpose is a ministry of reconciliation. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, verse 19. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The message he's given to us is, go invite people into the story, because through Jesus, I'm no longer going to hold their trespasses against them. You go make disciples. That's what he gave us. That's the ministry he gave us. The message of reconciliation is that through Jesus, all who believe are reconciled to the Father and welcomed into eternal life. And as believers who have been so reconciled, we have, 
It is now our entrusted ministry to tell others this good news. That's our job. That's the mission. That's what he's given us. So what does that make us? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God wants to make his appeal to the world through us. Okay, we could argue about whether that was a good idea. But that's what he chose. To make his appeal to the world through us. To everyone around us who needs to be reconciled to God. And, and this here, this is basically the explanation, the why for all six statements of the mission. We're just going to run through this real quick, but I think you'll see it as we go. Number one, provide a welcoming and inclusive environment for all to experience and connect with God through the Holy Spirit. That's so that they can be in a place where they might find reconciliation with the Father. That's why. Number two, proclaim Jesus Christ as creator, redeemer, and sovereign over all as revealed in the Bible. Why? So that they can learn who Jesus is and that, <coughs> excuse me, it is Jesus who reconciles us to the Father. That's why we're proclaiming Jesus, so they can be reconciled. Number three, reflect God's love in all our relationships and interactions. Why? Well, because as ambassadors, how we behave will affect how people view the kingdom that we claim to be ambassadors of. That's why we've got to be mindful of these things. Number four, express our love for God through passionate worship, enduring faith, constant hope, and continuous renewal. Again, as ambassadors, our expressions and behaviors often reveal way more than our words. And you are often the very best witness you can ever be in your hardest trial. Number five, promote a healthy lifestyle that nourishes the body, heart, mind, and spiritual aspects of our, be of our being. Why? Because such quality living reveals the quality of the life that God is calling all of us to in his kingdom. That's what an ambassador does. He represents the kingdom. She shows what God had in mind. Number six, apply our God-given gifts in the service of others and for the betterment of our communities. We serve as ambassadors in the manner that God has equipped us to serve, not holding back the grace that God longs to bestow through us. He's given each of us different abilities and gifts. And when we work together and we all use those gifts, then the grace of God flows freely in all the different ways that the world needs it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the, the summation of this whole thing. The whole reason that we've been appointed as ambassadors is so that in him, we and those who come to be reconciled become the righteousness of God. So we go back, Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now we'll break more of this down as we go along, what it means to, to be baptized, what it means to, to teach, to observe all that he has commanded us. This is all fleshed out. And some of the other things we'll talk about. But right now I want to invite the band back. Because we're going to sing a couple songs here. But as they're coming, here are the words I want you to think about. It is not enough for us to camp out here waiting for Jesus to come again. It's not enough. We are to go and make disciples. But who? Who are we to go to? Well, all right. Let's just take a quick look at that. First of all, our kids are an easy first focus. Okay? So the first group that we're going to focus on making disciples are our kids. So let's not short that in any way. Let's invest in family. Let's invest in time. Let's invest in ministries for kids. This is key. But now, now let's expand it. Who else? Well... Friends and family. Now, I know sometimes that's tricky. Sometimes that's awkward. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes we have to be really creative to figure out a way to engage them. But they are close to us, and we have contact there. Okay, who else? Well, let's go with this word, our neighbors. But you see, that word can have a lot of meanings. The academy, this... Uh, this retirement living place right beside us with people living in it is a neighbor. What can we do? How can we engage? Mapleton Hill, the people that live around us on this hill are neighbors. What can we do? City of Boulder, neighbors. But you know what? Not a lot of you live in Boulder. But all of you have neighbors. Unless you live out somewhere in the middle of Rocky Mountain National Park. Some of you are close. but You have neighbors. People you know. And then there's the town of Erie. Yeah, it's not right next to the church, but it is right next to Vista Ridge Academy. And we're invested there. You see, this is where neighbors are. This is where opportunity is. These are the ones to whom Jesus has told us, go. Now, in fairness, we have work to do in this area, both to figure out how to connect with those around us and the best means to be ambassadors to them. But Jesus Christ has called us to be a diverse community, pursuing whole, healthy, and faithful lives, and a community that invites others to connect with us and pursue that life with us. Now, I'll promise you one thing. We won't be able to do it on our own. But I have really good news. Directly from the mouth of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 20. I am with you always to the end of the age invitations someone invited you now you invite someone